welcome to this week's edition for the Wise Up Podcast. This is your host, Ezra Siddiqui. As a reminder, Wise Up is my platform to educate the Muslim and South Asian community about local Texas and national politics. You can find my podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and TuneIn, or hear them every Tuesday at 1 p.m. on Radio Azad. You can also follow me on social media, such as Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. My handles are WiseUp or WiseUpTX. And you can check out my website, www.wiseuptx.com. Remember, everyone, let's become educated, let's get wiser, and let's start giving a hoot. So today's podcast is called Disappointingly Hopeful. And I'm going to be talking about the whole Black Lives Matter movement and how it's important for the Desi community to become involved or be aware of it, along with supporting our police officers, along with the tragic incidences that we've seen happen in Dallas and some of the other um, shootings we've seen of unarmed African-American males. It is quite a touchy subject, and... You know, it's really taken me a long time to digest all of the traumatic events that have happened over this past month, especially during the holy month of Ramadan. And so I took time to reflect before recording a new um, podcast segment. Now, while I usually start each segment with the news of the week, um, this whole week has been filled with the news of the horrific and tragic incident that happened in Dallas along with the memorial services that our um, leaders have participated in. So I really just wanted to focus this segment on the Black Lives Matter movement, along with um, the heroic efforts of the police force, not just in Dallas, but all across the country. So I am hoping that this podcast segment brings to light how we can be supportive of the Black Lives Matter movement and understand the movement and also be uh, supportive of our police officers who risk their lives every day to protect us. And I want everyone to understand that supporting Black Lives Matter and supporting our local police force, they're not mutually exclusive and that we can support both while holding... um, the actions of other groups accountable as well. So first, I want to begin and discuss what the Black Lives Matter movement is about. So the following information is from blacklivesmatter.com. So the Black Lives Matter movement was created in 2012 after Trayvon Martin's murderer, George Zimmerman, was acquitted for his crime. It is rooted in the experiences of black people in this country who actively resist the dehumanization, and Black Lives Matter is a call to action in a response to the virulent anti-black racism that permeates our society. Black Lives Matter is a unique contribution that goes beyond extrajudicial killings of black people by police and vigilantes. As they say, we all know the history of America that there used to be slaves and the Civil War was fought in order to free the slaves of America. And then you fast forward about 100 years later and you have the Civil Rights Movement with Martin Luther King and then you have the Black Panthers and so many various um, African-American celebrities that always discuss um, the hardships the African-Americans have gone through um, in America 
And it's very sad that to this day, while um, achievements have happened within the Black Lives Matter movement, it still has a long ways to go. And personally, I think that the end goal of the Black Lives Matter movement is to finally attain that equality for the African Americans that they've been looking for for over hundreds of years. I mean, they came to this country as slaves, and they even when they attained their freedom after the American Civil War, they were always treated as second class. You had the Jim Crow laws, you had segregation, and it wasn't until when Martin Luther King came about that they really pushed very, very hard to make sure that they attained equality and that there was desegregation, and that's what President um, Lyndon B. Johnson was able to eventually pass the Civil Rights Act. But unfortunately, even after all of those things, you still see a huge disparity between the African-American community and the rest of America, mostly the predominantly um, white communities. You see a lot of division within the neighborhoods, um, even as South Asians, you know, whether we mean to or not, we will always look to neighborhoods with the better schoolings that have, you know, less African-Americans. And so it sees little um, day-to-day things that also are very important to the Black Lives Matter movement to make sure that everyone in America gets equal treatment and that these disparities um, are not so prevalent within the African-American communities anymore. Now, as I'm sure you scroll through your social media, there's been a ton of misconceptions about what Black Lives Matter movement is. And Vox uh, Vox News did this great um, article about the four myths about the Black Lives Matter movement um, and to debunk them. So one of the myths was, is if black people care about black lives, why don't they care about black on black crime? So according to plenty of organizations and polling, black people care just as much about crime within their communities as they do about addressing a discriminatory criminal justice system that targets them. According to the FBI's 2014 Uniform Crime Reports, close to 90% of African-American homicides were committed by other African-Americans. Meanwhile, 82% of white American homicide victims were killed by other white people. And the reason for this is that crime, just like housing, is racially segregated in the U.S., which means it's way more likely that a crime committed against someone who is going to be by someone who lives in their neighborhood and probably looks a lot like them. The term white-on-white crime is essentially non-existent, even though it does happen. So the BLM movement isn't about the loss of life, which is very, very terrible. It's about the lack of consequences when black lives are taken at the hands of police. Moreover, they also state that the truth is black people aren't more violent or more likely to commit crimes than anyone else. The the reality is that because of a history of institutional racism, black communities have higher poverty rates, suffer from poorly funded schools, and are more likely to be targeted by police. The second misconception is, does saying black lives matter mean you're saying that blue lives does not matter? And the answer is no. So, of course, the lives of cops matter. That's why if you kill a police officer, you are rightly arrested and prosecuted. And according to the article, one of the issues with thinking Black Lives Matter exists purely in opposition to police is that it conflates an occupation with the identity of a marginalized group. And the other issue is that it suggests that critiquing police and advocating for citizens is inherently anti-cop. 
Now I'm going to go off on a little tangent here. I'm not sure how many of y'all listened to the POTUS town hall that happened last week, but um, our lieutenant governor from Texas uh, questioned our president stating that the police officers don't feel um, the support from the president because he is, um, well, according to the lieutenant governor, he seems to be valuing Black Lives Matter more than um, the police officers. And I think President Obama addressed his question pretty well. Uh, he initially stated that he has always supported um, police officers and that anytime some sort of violence happens, that yes, uh, police officers do deserve the respect for the jobs that they do and that he is always protected by police officers being the President of the United States. But as you know, I just said in the article, the President also reiterated the point that just because you are critiquing the problems within the uh, policing community, that does not mean you're anti-cop. It's just that there are problems within the policing community that need to be addressed. And that way we can um, have progress and move forward so that we don't have these tragic incidences occur anymore. The other misconception is, is if you say that Black Lives Matter, are you only saying Black Lives Matter? That answer is no. And so, according to the article, who is quoting um, Francesca Ramsey, states that this movement isn't saying Black Lives Matter more than anyone else's. It's saying that Black Lives should matter. But the way that our justice system, our media, and our police have been operating suggests that they do not. In each of these situations, Black people are devalued in ways that other groups don't necessarily experience. Black Lives Matter is just trying to make sure people don't overlook those differences and how they acutely impact Black people's lives. And she gives examples like, you know, it's totally okay for a movement to focus on issues specific for one marginalized group, such as a breast cancer walk isn't unfair to other forms of cancer, and Save the Rainforest isn't saying you hate all other trees. And again, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. I think this statement is very applicable because you have people uh, stating that, oh, all lives matter. It's not just black lives matter. And yes, of course, every single human life is precious, and we should always care about unjust killings that occur. But I think what the African-American community is um, attempting to get the word out in the sense that Black Lives Matter because they have been marginalized for so long, for hundreds of years in America, and they aren't treated with the same and equal respect as maybe white people are or other minority groups are. And so that's what they're trying to get the point across is that Black Lives Matter in the sense that we deserve it equality, that we deserve the same respect as other um, groups do. Then the last misconception is, aren't there way more white victims of police violence? And so yes, technically more white people are victims of police violence, and according to the Washington Post's Post data on police killings, there have been 1,502 shot and killed on, by on-duty police since January 1st of 2015. Nearly half of them, 732 people, were white. Black people accounted for 381 of the victims. But this is the real problem. The problem is that black people also only account for 13% of the population compared to white people who make up 62% of the U.S. population today. This means that small number actually makes a big difference and that when we stop talking the number at face value, it actually shows black people are p being killed at disproportionately higher rates than their white counterparts. And according to the New York Daily Post, um, 
This year is on pace to be the deadliest ever measured for the number of people killed by American police. African-American men, who make up less than 10% of the American population, make up an astounding 40% of all unarmed people killed by police. And somehow, even in the most heinous of cases, where the evidence appeared to be overwhelming, police were set free because they claimed they felt afraid. And this is where the real anger stems from, is the fact that the police officers who claim that they have a fear of um, the African-American men and they say, oh, well, they had a weapon or I thought they were reaching for their gun and they shoot them and then they don't get any um, jail time or, or they're usually acquitted. And we see this time and time again. We saw this with Trayvon Martin. We saw it with Eric Gardner, um, who was choked in New York. And I'm going to quote something that Dale Hansen, who is a sportscaster for Channel 8, did this incredible video um, of the situation that happened after the shootings in Dallas about how if a white person is selling cigarettes on the street like Eric Gardner was, he would get a ticket. He would not be um, choked or even being trying to be arrested and going to jail. You could say the same thing for Alton Sterling. Um, the gentleman that was killed by the cops in Baton Rouge, he was selling CDs, and it was actually um, a Muslim gentleman who owned um, the convenience store where he was selling outside of who actually gave the footage of um, that basically contradicted what the police story was of what had happened. And so it is these reoccurring occurrences that we continuously see happening, uh, also with Trayvon Martin and this situation in Ferguson, and countless others. I mean, the Philando Castile video was just graphic. I don't know if you all had seen it, but the guy had been shot in the side five times, and there was a child in the back. And these videos are just horrific, and they keep happening over and over again, and it's the police officers don't seem to be getting in trouble for it, and this is the reason why African Americans and a lot of the other general public are so angry about it, because they feel that their lives do not matter. That, oh, these people can't get killed when they didn't do anything, and that's why this movement has become so pivotal and important for us to acknowledge those issues so that we can build progress for our country. I also want to add a little bit about criminal justice reform and how um, African Americans are incarcerated way more than any other minority group. And a lot of times they're incarcerated for nonviolent crimes um, such as drugs and they um, get out of jail and are unable to attain jobs. So the way that they are attempting to make money is through um, you know, these entrepreneurial means such as selling cigarettes on the road, as Eric Garner did or as Alton Sterling did with selling CDs. And they're doing the best that they can with the resources that are given to them because of their uh, criminal record. They're unable to attain any sort of job. And then they get in, you know, they're trying to support their families and they get caught into these um, situations. And it just ends badly. So it's not just about police brutality that I think the Black Lives Matter movement is about. It's it's about so many different things, about how criminal justice reform needs to become more fair, um, the criminal justice system needs to become more fair to the African-American community, and 
how there are so many disparities when it comes to housing, when it comes to education for the African-American community, because we don't see um, that the housing is fair. It's obviously very gentrified in any big city that you go to, and then the schoolings in those areas are also very poor. So it's just the, you know, there's just so many factors involved into this movement. So when people think that it's all about um, against being against cops, it's, it's just wrong. And again, the Black Lives Matter movement has reiterated the stance that it's not about being against cops. It's about holding those certain few cops accountable for their actions toward the African-American community. It's about attaining a more equitable and just environment for the African-American community. Um, and that's something that we need to remember and that when you hear people going against it, it's something that we should you know, help and correct them on because that's not fair. It's not fair for the Black Lives Matter to have such a negative notion. And as Muslims and as South Asians, like, we know that better than anyone. And of course, the disparities we face and the racism we face in America is nothing, absolutely nothing compared to what the African-American community has faced in America. And speaking of Desis, I also wanted to discuss... Um, how they sees um, have not been fair to the African-American community. And I'm going to quote an article from a gentleman by the name of Adil J. Zeb, who is an imam. And he wrote this great article in the Huffington Post about how and why Alton Sterling, Philando Castile, and Black Lives Matter matters to him. And he states, as long as police brutality, systemic oppression of black people in this country, and racism occurs, no person, Muslim or non-Muslim in this country, should stand silent. Black Lives Matter should be a concern for every living person. Black people have contributed to the civil rights and benefit of our society for years, and they are still to this day not treated equally, but oppressed specifically. It is incumbent on all Americans to transfer the culture that seeks to de dehumanize our black brothers and sisters. He also goes on to state that he becomes livid when he sees racism within the Muslim community toward our black brothers and sisters. Many times for racist and tribalism-related reasons, non-black Muslim families refuse to marry with black Muslim families. There is a cultural of exclusivity within the Muslim students' associations at colleges and with young professionals in their respective social circles as well. Perhaps the even greater tragedy is the spiritual appropriation that has occurred in that the international community has laid claim to Islam in America in the mosques, Islamic organizations, and conferences when the black community has literally died struggling for civil rights, including Islam, in this country for years. And I really couldn't agree more with what he stated. As a Desi, South Asian, and Muslim communities, we need to do a much better job of being more inclusive of, to, of the African-American community if they're part of your religious group or just even being in America in general because it's so true. If they didn't fight for civil rights back in the 60s and as long as they have been now, we as South Asians in the Muslim, Arab, and Persian communities, like we wouldn't have the rights that we have today. We would still be under the Jim Crow laws and we would be drinking from colored water fountains and being in segregated schools. We wouldn't have the opportunities that we have to this day, the accomplishment accomplishments and achievements we've earned none of that none of that would exist if it wasn't for the african-american community fighting when they did and as long as they have and i don't think that we've been appreciative of it and it's quite disappointing to be honest so how can we change that 
we can become more involved. We can be supportive of the Black Lives Matter movement. I know that after the protests in Dallas, it's been kind of scary to show support, but that doesn't mean that we should be scared. In fact, we should be helping them out. You saw Imam Omar Suleiman, who was actually at the Black Lives Matter protest, who you know had to flee for his life, but he is a great example of the, showing support for the Black Lives Matter movement. And then even when Dallas had its interfaith memorial, he was there giving a a great and motivational speech about how we need to pray for one another and pray um, for a solution to the injustices that have been occurring in our world. So we cannot stay silent. We need to get up and we need to show support. And while you are so showing support for the Black Lives Matter movement, that does not mean that you cannot support the blue or the officers. And I want to talk about the officers as well. What happened in Dallas when 12 police officers were shot and um, five died was a horrific and tragic incident, and it really hit close to home. Actually, it wasn't close to home. That was home. Dallas is my home. It's where I was born, and it was where I raised, and it's where I consider home. And to, you know, I currently reside in Austin, and the fact that it happened in Dallas, like, I was just beyond devastated. I barely slept that night. I just couldn't believe it, because the Dallas that I know, I know that there has been racism, and it's always been there. I just never expected that sort of violence to come to Dallas. And no matter if it's a police officer or African-American or anyone, I always feel sad about any tragic loss of life. And the violence that occurred against our policemen, I felt horrified about because I've seen the policemen protect the Muslim community during this Ramadan season to ensure that we can pray safely. And I'm sure that policemen are there to protect um, when there is a Hindu religious holiday or, or the Sikh religious holidays as well. I mean, I want to give two examples of what policemen have done for me. Um, there was one time when I took the bar exam and I lost my ID. Um, a police officer is always there outside before the testing site, and he waited for two hours for my husband to bring my passport as an alternate form of ID, and he made sure I received it. He didn't need to stay there. He didn't need to wait, but he still did it. And by the time I got done with my exam, I didn't even get to say thanks to him. Also, my dad's tire blew out um, this past winter, and the officer saw him and saw that, you know, he had difficulty changing his tire. Um, his car, the officer's car, you know, he left it running, and he told my dad to go sit in the cop car. He turned the heat on for him, and then he proceeded to change my dad's tire. And it's for these reasons, along with them risking their lives every day, that my heart bleeds, literally bleeds for the Dallas police community. And, you know, I am still, at the same time, angry about the Alton Sterling and Philando Castile incidences, who are amongst the many African-American men that have been shot and killed by policemen. But I will not allow the actions of a few policemen represent the entire police force. Because I, as a Muslim American and as a South Asian, know more than anything else that, you know, people could also look at me and think of me as those other crazy people who are um, committing heinous acts in the name of Islam. And I don't, I don't want people to judge me based off of those people. Therefore, I'm not going to judge the actions of a few policemen as the entirety of the police force. And I can mourn and be angered by the loss of innocent African-American lives as well as the lives of the cops who are doing what they do best, such as protecting our citizens. 
But now it's time for us to begin an open dialogue about the racism that is currently engulfing our nation. And we need to start listening to one another. One another. We can't just say, oh, it's only Black Lives Matter that matter. Or, oh, it's only support the blue and our officers. They can't be mutually exclusive. We need to all sit down and talk and work, work it out. Because at the end of the day, violence is never the answer, nor will it ever be the solution. And while police officers can be revered for the heroic actions that they do on their daily lives, they can also be held accountable, especially those that have committed um, crimes against unarmed African Americans or any other unarmed person when they get shot by the cops. And there doesn't seem to be a good legal basis for it. And finally, as the Desi South Asian and Muslim communities, we also need to do a better job of being supportive of our African-American brothers and sisters because they have been supportive of us. And as you know, the title of my segment was Disappointingly Hopeful. And the reason why I titled it as such was because I am disappointed about certain actions that has happened in the past couple of months. But at the same time, I'm also hopeful for the future. Let's start with my disappointments. Um, I was pretty disappointed when Eid came around and very few politicians wished the Muslim community Eid Mubarak, especially the Texas politicians, given that Texas has the largest Muslim population in um, the United States. And there were a, f a few that were wishing us Eid Mubarak, especially the Texas Democratic Party and some other Democratic politicians, but I didn't see very much from the Republicans, which was disappointing. Um, I'm also disappointed in the fact that the Desi community has been very unsupportive of Black Lives Matter. I did see my generation posting a lot of what had happened with um, the two horrific acts that happened to the African-American men, um, Philando Castile and Alton Sterling, but I didn't feel like the older generation was very receptive to it or posting a lot about it. And I know on social media that I see several people posting about, you know, the horrific things that go on in Pakistan and India and Bangladesh and um, the Syria crisis. And I don't want to take away that what they're suffering is any less because it isn't. Those incidences are very terrible. But at the same time, you cannot be silent about the injustices that are happening in your own backyard. And if you want other... Um, marginalized groups to be understanding and supportive of what we as South Asians and Muslims are going through, then you also need to be supportive of other marginalized groups. And so I was pretty disappointed that we weren't showing as much support or as much anger about what goes on to the um, unarmed African-American men as we are to other instances that are actually, I mean, they're not occurring in our country while they are very devastating, but we also need to be receptive and on the lookout of what's going on in our nation too. I also get very disappointed about the All Lives Matter movement because I think they're missing the point of how much the African American community has been suffering. Um, I also wanted to say that I was also disappointed um, with how open carry has been affecting the African-American community. We saw in Dallas that the initial, initial person of interest was an African-American male who was openly carrying his gun as he is legally allowed to do. I've discussed you know, how open carry works in Texas now and that 
he was actually not the suspect at all, and it was someone else. And the Washington Post had actually stated how cops are actually dying more in states that um, allow open carry. And I was personally very opposed to open carry when it passed the Texas legislature. And I'm very disappointed in the way that incident in Dallas occurred and how um, cops who are there to save our lives are losing lives more in states that are allowing open carry. And I wanted to point out something that I found slightly um, hypocritical was when our Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick is all about supporting the police force and the cops, which is great, but he was a huge advocate and a huge proponent for open carry when most cops and lobbied very hard against it. They were vehemently opposed to it. So I don't understand how he is all for cops and protecting them when he was all for open carry and putting the cops' lives in danger. And finally, Donald Trump chose... The governor of Indiana, Governor Pence, as his running mate, um, I guess, to be honest, whoever Donald Trump chose would have been a disappointment to me anyways. Let's start with the things that I am hopeful about. I am hopeful about a police rally that was organized by the D Dallas Desi community in and I thought that was great because it shows that the South Asian community is really trying to show their support for the city of Dallas, for the officers who risk their lives to protect us. And I thought that was something that was amazing. And I hope that the rest of Dallas got to see that and got to see how the South Asian community was really trying to be supportive. I'm also hopeful about the way the Dallas interfaith um, situation was I, I thought it was amazing that Mayor Rawlings, who is a mayor of Dallas, did a stupendous job in inviting the Muslim community, as in um, Omar Suleiman, to speak. And I think he did a really great job, and I think the city of Dallas needed to hear and make sure that they got support from the Muslim community in Dallas, and I think he really got that point across. I was also very um, hopeful with the way the Dallas police chief, who is an African-American, and the way Mayor Rawlings did a very, very great job in making sure that race wasn't a continu continuous issue in the city of Dallas and that they're really trying to do the best that they can to, you know, glue the pieces back together to make sure that this horrific incident doesn't define the city of Dallas. I actually was hopeful with uh, President Bush's statement during that interfaith ceremony where he stated that too often we judge other groups by their worst examples, too often we judge ourselves by our best intentions. I thought what he said was incredibly moving and it was really on to the point that we need to become more open-minded. Last but not least, Bernie Sanders officially dropped out of the Democratic race and I am hopeful at the fact that he is supporting Hillary Clinton and I am very, very hopeful at the fact that he will really try and rally his supporters to vote um, vote for Hillary Clinton for the presidential election in November. And that's my segment for today. I know that this month and past couple of weeks have been exceptionally tough for not only us, but for the entire world. We've seen a huge loss of life, whether it's occurring in the Muslim countries, um, such as in Iraq, in Syria, in Bangladesh, um, Istanbul, Orlando, um, and we've also seen the actions of police officers getting killed in Dallas, Baton Rouge, and then we also had the horrific incidences of uh, Nice in France, and 
I just want to tell my listeners out there, yes, there's terrible things going on in the world right now. But right now, we also need to keep praying. We need to pray for humanity as a whole. And we need to, you know, show love and understanding to one another because that's the best way for us to move on from these sad and very tragic incidences. Again, thanks for tuning in. And you can find my website, www.wiseuptx.com, having all the blogs and previous podcasts on there, along with the daily dose of Muse. You can also check out my Facebook page, my Instagram page, and my Twitter account. They are under WiseUp or WiseUpTX. And remember, everyone, let's become educated, let's get wiser, and let's start giving a hoot. Until next time.